I was like, nah, man, this is, this is simple. This is, this is not a complicated thing. And I, I put the date, signed my name, Jeremy P. McGee. <laughs> and I wrote the phrase, do what you love, period. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 65, we're featuring Jeremy P. McGee, Part one of the Jeremy P. McGee story. This will be a departure from our normal podcast interview style in Trail Effect, as this interview is very candid and goes very long. Three hours and 38 minutes of recording to be exact. We covered a ton of ground in this show, and Jeremy shares a ton of insight into his world of being an adaptive athlete in multiple arenas from surfing and skiing to mountain biking. Jeremy was not a mountain biker before he became paralyzed. In fact, he actually identifies as more of a trail runner or just a runner in general, and the off-road hand trike is the tool that Jeremy uses to get off-road into nature. This is critically important also as the Unpavement Project is one of a handful of projects that Jeremy has going on. This interview is a long one, but it is important to note that Jeremy wanted this interview to remain largely uncut and unedited, so the only editing that was done was for audio quality. This interview was also recorded in Jeremy's Van Duet Adventure Van, while at his house in Bentonville, Arkansas. I have to thank the Professional Trail Builders Association for the invite to the Sustainable Trails Conference in Bentonville, Arkansas, as this invite is what made these episodes possible. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Celsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to part one with Jeremy P. McGee of The Unpavement Project. For some reason. That's the only reason. We're recording now. Okay. No, I I like the P. (laughs) With, With no context, that probably sounds quite funny. GoPro, start recording. There we are. Yeah, saying I like the P with no background context. That probably sounds kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Okay, so we're recording. You're recording. I'm recording. Uh, For my listeners, um, can you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, I'm Josh Blum. I'm here with Jeremy P. McGee for the Trail Effect podcast. Trail effect. Trail effect. Spelled E A F F E C T. I saw that and I was like, "Wait, I I'm gonna have you say it because I don't know how to pronounce it." <laughs> well, there was a debate when I I had a different podcast before this podcast called Driftless Earth that was centered on the region where I live, which is the the Driftless region and which is southwest Wisconsin, north uh, west Illinois, and northeast Iowa in southeast Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota and. When COVID happened, I'm like, you know, this whole virtual thing, like virtual recording is more of a thing. And I actually want to like 
I had just done a five-part series on Bentonville, and Bentonville isn't in the Driftless area. And so I'm like, well, how do I change this to something that I can go national with, right? There you go. And so we were like, I'm like, well, like lake effects, snow affects communities. I'm like, the trail effect, like trail, trails affect communities in a very positive way. And I was actually on the phone with Mike Repiak from Imba, and I'm like, well, should we spell it with an E or spell it with an A? And he's like, he's like, well, I guess it could be both. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's more E, though. I'm like, well, screw it. We'll just do E and A, which is a huge marketing fail. Because <laughs> nobody I can like find it. it. But it's, I think oh, it is unique. searchability, though. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, okay, that's what I thought. It's, it's a play on affect and effect. Correct. Okay. And Correct. then linguistically, I always struggle with the difference. Because you can use affect as a verb. It can be used as a verb. It's not just a noun. Correct. Right? And I try to use it in that way sometimes, but I don't know if I always get it correct. Yes. So I just said, it's, I pronounce it as effect with the E and the A is silent. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I think that's super clever. I think it's awesome. Okay. So everybody, we are in my driveway in Bentonville. In my van, um, Josh and I met during the uh, Professional Trail Builders Association conference that was this week in Bentonville. And I don't have anything in my house, and I have concrete floors. It's super echoey, um, so the sound is just terrible. So we decided to set up here in my van, which I think is kind of cool, actually. I haven't hung out in the van for, I mean, I got here, been here for about a week and a half, so I haven't hung out in the van for like a week and a half, so this is nice. Yeah, hashtag van life. <laughs> this is van life. This is this is it. Yeah. So we're here to learn about you and everything you do and are doing for the trails community. But before we get to that, let's learn about what like makes you tick in your backstory. Oh, what makes me tick? Um, let's learn about Jeremy P. McGee. Don't for forget, the listeners, don't forget the P. I like the P. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh was asking me like, what's the deal with the P? I'm like, there's no, there's no reason other than I just like it better. I don't, it's, it's really, you know what, you, you know what, actually how it did start, uh, when I signed up for my first credit card, when I was, uh, I think I was 19 years old in college. Yeah. They sold it to you in the, in the college, like commons area. Exactly. They all <laughs> come out, you know, oh my God, dude. Um, and, uh, well, I used that car to travel the world, but, um, the person told just recently me, got paid off. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, the person told me that it's, I guess it's better security wise to use your middle initial or your middle name on your name. That's on your card. They said, so I started, I was like, okay, just put my middle initial. And that's kind of how it first started. And it just has grown on me. I, did, I just didn't know if there was a lot of Jeremy McGee's and you want to differentiate yourself from the rest of the Jeremy McGee's in the world. Well, there's a lot of McGee's. There's a lot of McGee's. I mean, that's where the whole Tits McGee came from because <laughs> McGee's the most common name ever. So you're like Tits McGee, you're, you're, just, you're common, you know? Um, and then nobody knows that there's an H. Yeah, there is an H. It is GH. It's GH. That's what makes it uncommon. But So, uh, God, what makes me tick and what's my backstory? Um... I guess my backstory is I, you know, I grew up in San Diego. Um, everything was outdoors. I didn't really have any parenting. Um, I can relate to that. Yeah. Pretty much zero parenting. Dad was out of the picture at a young age. Uh, mom just worked a ton and um, was 
marshmallow anyway, so there's zero discipline whatsoever. Um, I have an older sister, um, but she lived with our dad and uh, a younger brother who's 14 months younger. So it was just like me and him just tromping through the canyon and skateboarding and getting poison oak every day and staining our clothes with ice plant. You probably don't even know what ice plant is, do you? Uh, living from Wisconsin, I don't know what ice plant is, which is probably strange, but I definitely don't know what ice plant is. It's the succulent that they like plant on the side of highways everywhere because it just grows like crazy, needs very little water, doesn't need any water and just grows everywhere out there. Um, But we would find patches of it in like skateboard, like downhill into it and fly off our boards into these ice plant fields and it totally stains your clothes. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it's totally fun. <laughs> yeah. So you also grew up surfing too, right? Um, yeah, I started surfing at a young age. Um, my, my, I can't remember who got the surfboard first. I think it was my, my brother and we traded like some GI Joes and a skateboard for the surfboard and we shared the surfboard. And, um, we would bike to the beach. The beach was, a, was about six and a half miles from our home. We live like inland suburbia and we would bike six and a half miles as little kids. I think I was probably, I want to say 11 or 12, um, when we made the trade for the surfboard and we had boogie boards before that. So we we're always boogie boarding and then we're like, okay, we want to start surfing. So we would, we would bike to the beach with our one surfboard and one boogie board and like trade off. Yeah. And then sometimes our mom would drop us off at the beach, um, on our way to work or pick us up on the way back. And she had a little hatchback Toyota Corolla and we, she'd have to fit both of our bikes, surfboard, boogie board, both of us and shove us into this tiny little like two seater hatchback car. That was pretty funny. We'd wait for her on the side of the highway. <laughs> and wave her down as she drove by. <laughs> well, you mentioned college. Would you? Where'd you go to college at, or what'd you go to school for? I went to a small Christian school on the beach in San Diego. Um, more surfing. Just, more surfing. Yes, I and it was just kind of by default that, that I ended up there. You know, I didn't really have any direction at all. Um. You know, I had like, I was, I was going to like youth group at the time by my youth group leader who kind of became an older brother and took me under his wing. And I had some direction from him and he went there. So it was kind of all I knew. I was like, okay, I'll just apply and like, just like got my application in like right at the deadline. Um, I didn't even think like, oh, how do I apply for college? And no, no one said anything to me whatsoever. So I applied and I got accepted and. That's where I went. And I, it was like four year church camp on the beach. <laughs> it was insane. It was an insane experience. I, I mean, my stories from college, I didn't drink a drop of alcohol and my stories like from college, like are crazier than anybody like that. I talked to you about college that even partied their asses off. Like we were just wacko doing crazy stuff you know, surfing in the middle of the night and all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and yeah, I just, I surfed my ass off. I surfed every, every day, every day, multiple times a day. I graduated high school with a 4.0 scholastic scholarship, college credit already from AP classes. And actually, um, the local community college, 
um, offered a calculus class my senior year at my high school. So I took that and had, that was college class. So I had credit already. And dude, I, I barely graduated college. (laughs) 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 Barely. I think I I graduated with a 2.7. Um, I can relate to that too. (laughs) Although that was the one that was out drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I, all I wanted to do was just like surf and, and like have fun and do crazy weird stuff. And, uh, I remember my freshman year, my RA, he was a pro surfer, actually. Brian Jennings, (laughs) for those of you that know the surfing world, uh, probably know that name. He, uh, I had philosophy class as a freshman, which you're not supposed to take um, as a freshman. You're supposed to, they don't let freshmen in that class. But somehow I, I was in this philosophy class. It was all sophomores. He was a sophomore and there was this paper due. And I really struggled with philosophy. It just really seemed like a waste of time to me and still kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was really struggling and uh, we had this paper to write. I, I remember it being like six or eight pages and I'd never written a paper that long before. And I was, and it was due the next day. And I went to his room and I asked him like, All right, what are you going to do for this paper? And he's like, huh, I'm not going to write it. I'm going to do it. And I was shocked. I'd never not done my homework ever in my entire life. And I, the, the concept was shocking to me. And, uh, I was like, what do you mean? You're, you're not going to write it. He's like, hmm. I don't want to, I don't need to, all you have to do is get a D and you pass the class. And if you get all D's, like you, you pass college, you graduate. <laughs> I mean, I was like, really? You can just like pick and choose what papers you want to write or not write and just kind of get by. He's like, yeah, why not? I was like, okay, I'm not going to write it either. And I didn't, and that just kind of started a mentality. <laughs> the rest of my college career. And then, uh, I was also uh, delivering pizzas, um, at the time and for a, for a local pizza place nearby. And I would listen to news radio <laughs> as I was delivering pizzas. Um, totally weird that I would do that. And, uh, they were interviewing this hundred year, this man that just turned a hundred and they asked him, the typical question that you want to know from someone who's that age, like, what do you have any regrets? Is there anything you would do have done differently? And his answer, I will never forget it. And he was, he answered immediately. Like he was clear and decisive with his answer. And he said, I would have gotten worse grades in college. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's it. I'm just going to have a good time. Your, so your whole mentality just completely shifted from high school mm-hmm. into college from your RA and a hundred year old man you heard on the radio. That's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I was, you know, 18, 19, 18 years old, probably. I was so just, um, no, I was an inf- the opposite of influential. I was influenced very easily. What's the word for that? I was in an influencee. Impressionable? Impressionable. I, was I think, very, I don't know. I'm very not. impressionable. Like, I just, very gullible comes along with that. Like, whatever you say, I just believe you and trust you. And, and yeah. Yeah, so in that, did you, you know, we're here in Battenville, the mountain bike capital of the world. Yeah. 
Did you mountain bike at all at that age, or were you just nope. full on beach bum? No, um, surfing was my only sport, other than you know fitness. Okay, I was really into fitness at the time, and not just fitness pizza in my mouth type of fitness. <laughs> yeah, like going to the gym and making sure um, like running. Yeah, I well, I was, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wasn't sure of that yet. I, I studied literature because I thought I wanted to be an English teacher, but I didn't really want to be an English teacher. I wanted to be a football coach. I grew up playing football and really love football. And I, um, I had this vision of being a coach. And then I was like, okay, what's the funnest? You got to be a teacher if you're going to be a coach at the school, right? And I was like, okay, what's the funnest teacher? Oh, English teachers are pretty cool. I guess I'll be an English teacher. Although I was way better at math than I was at English anyways. <laughs> didn't really read. I read, but not like a real literature major. Someone's interested in literature does, you know? Yeah. You could have broke the mold and been a cool math teacher. Yeah. Right. I actually had a really cool math teacher. Um, my geometry teacher in, in high school was really cool. We had a really cool relationship and, um, he definitely broke the mold. Let's just say that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he, he was one of my favorite teachers ever. Mr. Sandlin, if you're still around, you're awesome. And you're listening to the Trail Effect podcast. Or Jeremy <laughs> McGee's podcast <laughs> on YouTube. Um, yeah, so, but I had to, I, I was thinking I, at that time now um, that I was going to be a, a career lifeguard. I was kind of going in that direction. Or some type of, you know, rescue emergency response. Yeah, career. like even like Coast Guard or something. I was almost in the Coast Guard, actually. I um, I was almost in the Coast Guard, and I was almost almost went into Buds to be an ABCO, yeah, which is like literally <laughs> right, right across the bay from you. Yeah. So in Coronado, at the time, I was working as um a pool lifeguard at the Point Loma um, submarine base, and the Coast Guard guys and the SEALs worked out there a lot. Because um, they were located just across the bay, like you said. So they would come work out and lived in that area, a lot of them. And so I got to know them uh, and I started partying with those guys. And separately, there were two separate groups, the the SEALs and the Coast Guard guys. Um, I was kind of leaning more towards Coast Guard. Um, and uh, at, at the very same time, I was um, in the recruiting office for both. And I almost, and I had the paperwork and everything to sign for both. And, uh, I, uh, I, I got, I don't know. I just got this weird feeling. Um, I don't know if it was nervousness or just uncertainty or intuition. I don't know what, but like a weird feeling in my gut. And I decided to think about it. It was a big commitment. And uh, he's probably just nervous about making a big commitment. And I was like, this is one of those decisions that totally changes changes the direction of your life you know so I, I need to really really make sure this is what i want to do and then so i went home and from both of them i visit them both you know not in the same day but right in the same week and uh a couple weeks later i was paralyzed man really <laughs> isn't that freaking crazy so you were out of college at this point when you were thinking about this yeah yeah, yeah. i, I kind yeah. of fast forwarded a couple years yeah, yeah, yeah. from from college I mean, because sometimes people are thinking about that when they're in high school. Like I thought about going into the military in high school and then I got accepted to college and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go party. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, through college, it was kind of like, am I going to be a teacher or, you know, 
be like a firefighter or or go in the military or you know I, I really I was thinking about I wanted to be a rescue diver you know a lot everything I did was in the water you know and I really enjoyed swimming although I didn't start swimming really until I was in college um so yeah and I was like oh maybe you know maybe become a career lifeguard so that was kind of the direction that I was I was thinking I was going to go yeah so you were you're 25 then correct I have that right the math right yep so at the time of that story, yeah, when I had, when I was looking to be going the seals or coast guard, that was when I was twenty five. Yep. Yeah, because that's that's when you got injured. Yep, exactly. And that's what brought us here. Yeah, that's only. That, I mean, who knows where I'd be? I'd, I'd probably be be in San Diego working as a lifeguard. Yeah, or if, if you were yeah. into, or if you ended up changing your mind again. Yeah, because you didn't have the opportunity. Then a couple weeks later, you might have, you might have been a. You might have been Jocko Willink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody could be Jocko Willink. <laughs> I've, um, I've emailed him actually. Um, I emailed him that story. Um, you know, and his people answered me. They're like, okay, we'll tell him, you know, I was like, I, I want to be on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a cool story. Come on, man. I mean, I, I was like, I, I live by a lot of the things that you, you know, you teach and this could be cool content you know and uh, i'm you know i'm a navy brat and i was almost a, a seal like come on have me on your podcast i know i'm a civilian but he has civilians a, on he has civilians on yeah, yeah i was like it's just a cool story i'm like and we're both in san diego like let's just have a beer even you know but he didn't get back to me what's up jocko i'm sure jocko's <laughs> listening to this <laughs> yeah jo- that, he has some awesome stories because he's too. a huge mountain biker yeah he is a huge surfer yeah, he surfs a ton, you know, so. And he lives in San Diego. Well, so, I, you know, for those that, for those that don't know, Jeremy P. McGee is an adaptive athlete. Yeah. I will record a real intro that explains all of that after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so that changed, that, I mean, that obviously changed the course of your life. And then, you know, since then you've gotten into other athletics, like what, like what kind of things piqued your interest when you knew, you know, okay, so you, you get injured, you, you, I don't know if you want to tell that story here, but I heard the story the other day when you did your keynote speech and it was, it was an incredible story, you know, you, with just the situation and the circumstances that made everything come together, Yeah, you know? And then, so you have a new lease in life at the same time to kind of change the direction of what you're going to do to stay active. Like what kind of things were you looking at as far as being active? Yeah. Um, well, how funny was that guy that got the phone call when I was telling that story? Hello. (laughs) Yeah. And he answered his phone. I can't believe that actually that like everyone should have had their ringers off. Like I wanted this. I, I had actually, it was probably obvious that I had rehearsed that. I don't know if it was or not. Well, you did a really good job. So, but it's... I had um, like this vision. You know, you know, we. It's probably not good to have expectations, but you know, it, it was. I wanted it to be somewhat of a performance. Mm-hmm. You know, I start with that lo- a line that like hits you. You know, mm-hmm. I talk about the vision of the lady's side mirror being smashed in my face, and I want to shock people into listening, you know, into that's my like interest catcher. Like people are like, Oh shit. You know, 
Like, yeah. oh, wait, or, or like, wait, what does he mean? A side mirror smashed in his face. What, what, what is that? You know? Um, and then it was right after I said that line, and this is going to be some like emotional soliloquy, you know, that I'm going to deliver on stage. And the guy's fucking phone rings. And I, I just think he's going to, and he's right in front of me. He's in the front row. And I think he's going to like just silence it. And oh no, he picks it up. And not only does he pick it up, but he starts talking. <laughs> like, what? What the heck? Well, and for those that weren't there, it was literally in the perfect gap of silence. <laughs> you know, where like, <sighs> it wasn't like you're in the middle of a story. It was the pause. <laughs> yeah, I've adopted the, uh, the Obama pauses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to be really uncomfortable with the, with the pregnant pauses, but now I'm like, I'm... Not at all. I've heard they're a good thing, actually. I just, like I just <laughs> <laughs> We won't edit uh, that one out. <laughs> yeah, so God, okay, my accident. Um and then did that spark any new interests was the was the question? Well, like what new activities can I can I get into now? Like what right. what other stuff because you yeah, we'll get into this, but for those that don't know, Jeremy is a skier. Jeremy is a mountain biker. We've learned already that before he was 25, he probably didn't ski and we know he didn't mountain bike. Correct. Yeah, that, that is a that is a correct assumption. I snowboarded. Okay. Um, well, I see you had Big Bear not too yeah, far away. So surfing and, and snowboarding. Yeah, I forgot to mention when you asked what sports I was into. I was in uh, other than surfing and fitness, I, I was into snowboarding. Okay. Pretty, pretty big time, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Well, that was when snowboarding was, like, in its first... I mean, X Games were coming online. Yep, yep. You know? Yep, yep. Yeah, and I just... Um, I picked it up fast. I picked up snowboarding really fast. Um, and it was really fun. I actually, you know, was... You know, getting um, some small sponsors and, like, photo incentives, like, almost like right away, like my second year snowboarding. So that was kind of cool. Was Big Bear kind of your home hill? I went to Big Bear every week. Okay. Every week. I was working as a lifeguard and a waiter at a restaurant. That was my most favorite job I've ever had was working at this restaurant. It was so much fun. So much fun. Um, But I would work um, Wednesday to Saturday. I would work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sometimes not even Wednesdays. And I would drive to Big Bear first thing Monday morning every week and then snowboard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, and then drive home in time for work. It was about a two and a half hour drive and drive home in time for work Wednesday night if I work Wednesday night. And then I would uh, lifeguard early in the mornings. Well, that's one of those very unique locations that you can actually do both things in one day. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I've surfed and snowboarded in the same day. Many times. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. It's, it's pretty in- incredible place to, to live and to grow up. That, that's for sure. Very, I'm very lucky. Um, I wish I could say that my accident did not change me. I wish I could say I continued to be the same person. Um, but, I mean, the reality, and I did say that a lot, you know, uh, but it was totally my ego talking. Um, out of an effort to not be a cliche, you know, um, 
But at the same time, I would say totally cliche things like, oh, the pain makes me remember I'm alive, you know, like totally cliche stuff. Um, and so my effort to not be a cliche actually became one. <laughs> um, my, yeah, my accident totally changed me. Uh, being close to death is going to change anybody, you know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And not that I like, I wasn't living an inspired life before, but, uh, I just, what it did was wake me up to the reality of the frailty. I was definitely living with reckless abandon, um, and not reckless and abandon in like a partying sense, but like reckless abandon with my body. Yeah. As a young athlete, you know, just hucking myself off cliffs and not really calculating if I'm going to land or not, you know? I do want to, I do want to pause for the listeners right here, just because not everybody knows your story. Your injury was not due to living reckless abandon. Well, yeah, I was riding motorcycles. Yeah. But how many people ride motorcycles? That's true. That's like true. You, it wasn't yeah. like you're doing 90 or a hundred miles an no, hour. Down. But like, I usually was. And this is the, <laughs> when my accident happened. So good point. It was the one time I wasn't. Um, and I was actually being a responsible rider. At the time of my accident, I was actually took my eyes off the road in front of me for a split second to check a driveway that I was passing to make sure nobody was coming out of the driveway. And it took like longer than a split second because there was an RV parked on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of like peer around the RV to make sure a car wasn't coming out because I was on the, I wasn't, there was two lanes and I was in the right lane. So four lanes overall, two lanes in each direction. And I was in the right lane. So that driveway, I, you know, is the first, um, you know, danger, you know, potential danger. So that I'm closest to since I'm in the right lane and the driveway's on the right. So I kind of was peering around this RV. And in that time, you know, I was passing, I was passing somebody. And so because I was passing somebody, he, that, that driver was in between the line of sight of me and the lady that turned in front. So she made a left turn. She was coming the opposite direction and made a left turn, cut him off. Um, he, he had to slam on his brakes, but she didn't know I was on the other side of him. And in that time, my, I, you know, my, it was just the perfect storm of different factors. And that's how accidents happen, you know? Oh yeah. And, um, is when these different factors come together. So it wasn't like, I was speeding. Yes, you're totally right. I mean, it wasn't like inattention or anything like that. It was just like these factors just kind of added up and boom, just crash inside of her. Yeah. So once, you know, once you kind of got, once you get, once you became, I guess what we, you know, healthy again, like what kind of things, what were, you know, what, what kind of things kind of piqued your interest for new ways to, to gra- stay I'm, busy? I'm going to grab another beer. Oh, for sure. One of the cider. Uh, I'm good for now, but since you have it open, I'll take one. Got my in this. I can't add it out. Refrigerator in my van right here. I'm gonna turn this just a little bit. We've got not Sierras, sorry guys, but Josh (laughs) brought over some um, Ozark Beer Company IPA, which is certainly delicious, and um, some ciders for himself. Let me see if I can. Oh, there's my beer. I'm gonna switch that one out. Oh, that um, 
O that I just said is going to be a nice red blip on your sound profile. It's all right. <laughs> okay. I run all the, like, I actually, I do edit all my, I spend way too much time editing because I'm. Seriously. I'm not, per, I'm definitely not perfect audio. I'm not a professional podcaster. I'm just a person that got into it from a product of listening, driving around too much and oh, for yeah. work and getting sick of listening to NPR and stuff and needing to listen to something, something else. And I found, and I found other podcasts like what we were talking about earlier, like Jocko. I'm an NPR listener. Um, I am sick of it. Um, but I'm, I'm sick of it for the reason that I'm like sick of everything. Yeah. I want an unbiased news source. Yeah. I can't. I, that's a whole different kind of worms. That what, we <laughs> listeners, if you know of an unbiased news source, like you can find a us a unicorn while you're at it. <laughs> find a unicorn. Um, a un, wait, a unicorn is a girl that's a under a five crazy and over an eight hot. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's like a that. unicorn. <laughs> have you seen that video? No. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. yeah, I have. The Crazy Hot Matrix. The, the Crazy Hot Matrix is so <laughs> funny. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. Every time I see that, it'll be, you know, it'll be a random, you know, I'll be scrolling through social media and it'll, you know, come up somehow. And every time I ever see that, I just die laughing. It's so freaking yeah. funny. Yeah, I wasn't sick of NPR for that for the news thing. I just I just wanted to listen to something different. Like I didn't got want to you. listen to news anymore. I wanted Other to listen than to news. Got you. I wanted to be able to pick. Well, basically, exactly what podcasts do for you. I wanted to be able to pick what I wanted to listen to. The topic, you know, some days I want to listen to something like a Jacko or something like, you know, what's another one that I listen to? Do you ever listen to Gary V? Gary I Vanderchuk? have listened to Gary Vanderchuk a little bit. Um, In phases, it, like I get tired of him, and then yeah. I'm like, ah. Oh. And then, uh, you know, like several months later, I'll like listen to something. I'm like, oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. And then I'll get tired of him again. And then, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get into the whole, like, you know, like it's self, I think it's, it's too bad that self-help has like a taboo thing. Right. Cause yeah. it, it isn't, it shouldn't be, you know? Um, but I mean, long story short, I, you know, I've got, I mean, people that know me know I've gone through depression issues and like, you can go to a therapist, which means you have to schedule it. Or you can go through all these podcasts yeah, and do it any time of the day, whenever you need that help. Yep. That's you know? what's so cool about podcasts too, is you can hang out basically, you basically just spend time with these people that are like super like inspiring to be around. Yeah. You know? Well, you I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's kind of what led me to doing the trail effect podcast. It's like, okay. Like these questions that I ask a lot of the people about trails, like I want to know that myself. Okay. How can I get the keys to that vehicle to get me access to these people to know these, to get these answers and at the same time record it so other people can learn their knowledge as well. It's great. I love that. You know, that. like it, it's, it's, it baffles me every time when somebody's like, hey, I'll do the podcast with you. I'm like, Fucking sweet. <laughs> Fucking sweet. <laughs> like that's cool, man. You know, I and like it's that. it's open doors. You know, it it's you know, you you have one guest on, that guest has somebody else, and it's it's snowballed into some pretty awesome stuff. But that's we've fun. gone off on a tangent now. That's what we're that's <laughs> I like that though. I like the conversational and the tangents and we'll you know, we'll bring it for a full circle and get back to stuff, but I, I think that's what I really enjoy podcasts. Like I 
I'm not, when I have a podcast on, I'm not, that's not all I'm doing usually, you know, it's great background for when I'm like in the house, cleaning, getting ready for bed, you know, whatever it is. And, um, it's nice to have like a, there's like a cool conversation going on. I'll catch, you know, most of it or whatever, or, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm like cycling or when I'm working out. And so, I mean, I'm listening to it, but it doesn't have like a full 100% of my attention. And I just, it's just nice to have, I have a feeling that like, I'm just in a room hanging out with other people. And so that's, I I really like the conversational long form podcast for that reason. When I'm driving too. Driving is huge. I mean, it's like, like it's fun. I mean, like I've even had Sirius XM or whatever, Spotify, and it's like, I'll listen to music, but then I, it's for a brief period and then I, then I flip back to whatever topic has piqued my interest for that moment, whether it's mountain biking or something like Gary Vee or Jocko, you know. I do murder podcasts. You were doing like I murder. haven't got into the whole like mystery or storytelling type of podcasts. I had not either. And then I just, I don't know. I, I was driving and God, Apple CarPlay is so amazing <laughs> <laughs> and able to scroll through podcasts while driving. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll give it. Uh, I love it. And then the one that I've discovered that's really freaking cool is, um, against all odds. Okay. Have you heard of this one? No, it's a, uh, it's a wondery podcast. Um, it's on wondery. I maybe have heard of it. And they do stories of like amazing survival. Yeah. Like just the most crazy stuff. Yes. Crazy stuff. And it's gripping. I actually, I've not heard the podcast, but I just heard about the podcast because I also listen to podcasts about podcasting (laughs) so I can become a better podcaster. And the person that was being interviewed was the person that does what you're talking about against all odds. He was being interviewed about how he does his podcast. And how it came about. Maybe I should listen to that. That sounds awesome. The last one I listened to was on the uh, the story of the USS Indianapolis. Okay. The, the um, I think it was a destroyer that was in, in 1945 that was sunk by a Japanese submarine um, during World War II. And uh, how the, the crew, like the crew that survived... And the whole, the whole story, I think it was like five or six episodes and like they survived out at sea for five days. And it's just, I mean, there's this perfect storm of shark attacks and like they're living in a huge oil slick because the, the, the destroyer, a massive ship sunk and it's all the oil from that. And they're basically covered in oil and oh my God. And they go crazy because they're drinking seawater and that, I guess that makes you go crazy. I don't know. And so they're like attacking each other. And like it is insane, insane. <laughs> the thing that I that came to mind as soon as I heard about that podcast that you're talking about was how does this podcaster come across these guests to tell these stories? Like, where do you find these stories? Oh, at? he just he he he's like a he's like a research journalist. So, you know, it's and he's you know he'll say like not everything like there's no way to know exactly what was said and what went on. You know, so there's a fictional element. Mm-hmm. in that respect but you know it's all it's all basically true you know it's all based on fact and oh my god it's so it's like so i guess it, that is historical fiction is that what that's called then you know 
gripping. He he also did the story on the uh, the Uruguayan soccer team that crashed in the Andes that the movie Alive was made for made yeah. of like end up you know um, surviving by eating their the dead. And oh my god! <laughs> and then um, I think it was in uh, Taiwan. Was it Taiwan? Um, the little kid, like the kids. I I think it was also a, a soccer team that got stuck in the like underground caves and the like the cave divers had to like go in and rescue them. Like just crazy shit, dude. And they had to like swim underwater for six miles to get out of these caves. That's <laughs> some serious rescue swimming. Yeah, dude. Like the best cave divers in the world were called to like dive in there and see if these people one were still alive and then find them and it's like the details of like they they surfaced and they just smelled like shit because like these people were living in there for I don't know how many days and they had to shit somewhere, you know, and oh my God, insane. You got to wonder if the if the people they called the cave divers that were like the best cave divers were just kind of excited to go do a, to go do a mission that they do for probably fun anyways, but at the same time save some lives. Like you got to, you know what I mean? Like you got to wonder cool if that's an aspect of like, this ought to be interesting, like. I do this anyways. Let's go ramp it up a few notches. Let's ramp it up a few notches. <laughs> Lives are at stake and get paid probably quite handsomely. Yeah, to do know? to do what I love to do anyways. That's that is pretty amazing and hopefully save lives. Yeah. Um okay, yeah. So the question was <laughs> No, we were talking about it, I can't believe I remember this. <laughs> we were talking about the activities that you were, you know, you oh, and right. you know, now right. that you okay. have a different outlook on life. You're, you, we, we've established that you are super athletic, you, you know, but obviously there's some new things you got to, you know, yeah. want to find out or explore essentially. Yeah. So I continued surfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I saw that in your, in got the back in the water, like almost right away. It's fucking gnarly, dude. That's gotta be, it. it was so gnarly. It was so hard. It was so hard and so gnarly. Um, but that has really evolved. Um, and, and progressed. And I mean, now, I mean, and then I, I, I've kind of backed off a little bit on like on the size of surf that I feel comfortable in now. Um, although I, I can, I've, I've surfed quite a few very large days, um, um, since then and, uh, been completely fine and had a great time. But I don't know. Um, I've I've had a few scares out in the water, um, a few close calls. Um, I I broke my I broke my femur one one time. My uh, I you know I'm strapped into the board. I have a quick release belt, and usually I wait for the wave to kind of fizzle out before I pull my the pull my quick release belt. Um, but for some reason, in this day was fucking epic. Epic, uh, one of the most epic days I think I've ever surfed in my entire life. Um, and it was big, it was pretty big, um, but it was just beautiful and it was no worries. But for some reason, I went over the falls on this wave and uh, I just pulled my belt right away. I kind of freaked out, it was a pretty big wave, and I kind of freaked out and pulled my belt right away. And uh, I came out of the board, but my foot didn't. I have like a little strap over my feet to keep them from bouncing out while I'm surfing a wave. For some reason, my foot got caught in that little strap and my board took my leg for a ride. Cracked my femur in half. <laughs> that was gnarly. 
Um, and then uh, a couple years ago, um, my actually my leg got shoved through that same strap. Um, and that strap was like up over my thigh where it's supposed to just be over my ankles. So that's how far my leg was through. It was all the way through the strap. Um, just getting like from being pounded in the surf. Um, and I couldn't, I was, so I, I was stuck underwater actually. I couldn't. I upside couldn't. down probably. I was upside down. I couldn't, I could kind of get my lips out of the water, but then I would get hit by another wave and I couldn't get air. Um, so that, that was kind of, that was, that was a close call, but my friend finally got to me and flipped me over, but my leg was still stuck and he couldn't get my leg out. It was wedged in there. He couldn't even get my leg out. And they finally, then like more people came over and they finally were able to get me out of my board. And so I've had that kind of, so I've kind of slowed down a little bit with the surfing. I, I didn't, I didn't think that those things had affected me, but then I found myself like making excuses to not go. And then I realized like, oh shit, I'm maybe a little traumatized from that. So I've been working, trying to work through that and getting slowly back out into the water. So I kind of only go out now when it's like, when it's mellow and the sun's out and when I'm with a crew of like good friends, like vibes are good, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so I continued surfing, but yeah, it was kind of gnarly, um, at first. Um, and then, uh, I realized the progression I didn't mountain bike at all. Yeah. I've, I've never been a mountain biker and I, I but I've been a runner. I've, I've always loved running. And I always said like, if I had like parents that like helped me realize and understand like where my talents were and what I could actually take somewhere, um, I probably would have pursued running, you know, like what do you do as a teenager when you don't have any direction, but you follow the tide, you do what's cool. Right. So I played football cause that's what was cool. And I loved it. It was great. And I excelled at it cause I worked hard, but I was never, you know, I could have played college ball, but I, at a small college, definitely not a big college. Um, maybe it semi, I could have maybe like played like special teams or something at a, at a bigger college. Um, but I was never going to take it anywhere. I was never going to be a professional football player ever. I was just, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm small and white. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm no good. I'm no good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was the guy, I was the crazy white guy that painted his face and slammed his head into the locker and was like the crazy white guy with long hair. All wound up. All wound up. All hyped up. I was, that was that guy on the team and my one claim to fame. And there's some pieces of information that I don't, do not hesitate to share. And this is one of them. Um, I was a junior and Mike Pittman, Michael Pittman was a senior. Um, He played for um, Tampa Bay when they were in the Super Bowl against against, I guess Raiders were Oakland at the time, I think. When Tampa Bay played Oakland and uh, and then he also played for Denver for a while. And his son now plays for the Indianapolis Colts. So here's a guy that has played in the Super Bowl and has had a very good NFL career when he was a senior in high school, came up to me after practice and said, McGee, man, I'm afraid to hit you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I was that like crazy white guy. But anyways, (laughs) if I 
I think if I would have had like parents that like helped me realize that like I was not built for football physically um, and that, you know, I was good at running, uh, I probably would have like ran cross country and focused on like track and stuff instead. Um, I've always been a runner. I've always loved running. Um, I've always been able to, I would say if I had a talent, it would be enduring pain. Um, I definitely being able to embrace the suck and push through it. Um, and if I was not in a chair, I think that's what I, I would be doing. Like, um, one of the weird, weird ultra trail runner people probably. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got friends like that and I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around what the, some of those guys do. I got, we get, you know, those people that run for 24 hours or do hundred plus mile runs. I love that. Man. I love that. I love that. I, I love doing it on a mountain bike. I can't, I can't wrap my head around the running aspect of it. But see, I can't, I can't ride a mountain bike for more than like, if I, dude, if I have a 30 mile day, I'm toast on, on my bike. Well, the body position is, is pretty grueling for me. Like yeah. lifting my head, you know, my neck, it's really sore is the main thing. So maybe it's more of that. But I don't know. Running was different. Running you was probably different. would have taken the, Endurance, ultra endurance, cross country mountain biking. If you like to embrace that suck. Maybe. Good. I think I don't want the equipment. Like there's so much beauty in like basically just having a pair of shoes. Yeah. And that's all your equipment. And sometimes not even that. Like I run barefoot a lot too. Yeah. There's those crazy marathoners that do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think like if I had the choice, I would choose simplicity. And like, I just want to like have a pair of shoes and a pair of trunks and maybe a knife on my hip and like run <laughs> through the jungle <laughs> and just like for protection <laughs> dive through well for food you know to yeah. like you know oh, yeah 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 bust open coconuts or something i don't know <laughs> but like i just have this vision dream of you know like diving through streams and scaling rocks and running um for no reason yeah not going anywhere except for the reason of doing it exactly that's kind of like, I think that's what I'd be doing and just like living off the land. I don't know. Just, you know, pulling leeches off my feet or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you took your, you took the snowboarding that you did and translated that into yeah. skiing. Yeah. So snowboarding, um, as a, as a para athlete translates to sit skiing. Yep. Um, and so that the reason why I moved to mammoth and like, started skiing a ton was because surfing has a ton of logistics. Yeah. I mean, getting across the sand, you have a board that, you know, a piece of equipment that does not have wheels that needs to be carried. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're bulky and they're, they're hard. Yeah. To, they're hard to take, put in a vehicle. Yeah. And like, <laughs> okay. Like my bike has wheels. I can push it around on the ground, a board you can't do that. It's going to, it's fiberglass. It's brittle. It's going to, it's going to break. It gets, it's going to get scraped up and dinged. It has to be carried and cared for. Um, and then the whole wetsuit thing. <laughs> I'm like, imagine like a wet, putting on a wetsuit's hard for anybody. Imagine like trying to push a limp foot through it. And dude, this is the trip. Like putting on a wetsuit, sitting down. <laughs> it's so hard, dude. It's so hard. Well, and for those that don't know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't realize this and well, I, I guess I learned this later on in high school and going into college. Yeah, I, my father lived in San Diego, so I'm familiar with the Pacific Ocean. 
when I'd visit them for the two weeks out of the year. And the Pacific is freaking cold. It's cold, man. Like, and I didn't really, you don't, when you, when you see it in the movies and that, like most people do, you don't really think of that. Yep. And then when my father moved to the East coast and into North Carolina, right on the coast, I walked into the Atlantic and it was like bathwater. I was like, what in the Yep. And you and think I, it's opposite. It's exactly it. Like yeah. I thought for sure. I'm like, this is, it's like May and it's like 80 degree water. Yep. And you go into the Pacific and it's not that ever. No. <laughs> like people like vac- vacation in San Diego, like thinking it's just like, thinking it's going to be like Hawaii, thinking it's going to be warm and it is not. It's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's times when it is that. Uh, but those windows are pretty small and short, you know, it's overcast a lot. The yeah. marine layer, the marine layer is, is real, is a real thing that is ugh, mind numbing sometimes. And sometimes some summers, the water never warms up. Like, you know, so there's some summers, um, where the water has been 80. It has like, and it's freaking crazy, but that's not, that's rare, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah it's, it's cold. Yeah. So my point was for people like Putting on a wetsuit is, is almost mandatory. I wear a wetsuit year round. Yeah. Um, when I'm surfing, if I, if I'm surfing, cause you're, you're doing a lot of sitting Yeah. and then, uh, on my board, I'm up above the water. So if there's any breeze or wind, yeah. I'm just sitting wet in like in the breeze. So I wear a wetsuit year round. If I'm paddling, sometimes I won't wear a wetsuit because I'm working out, you know, I'm yeah. constantly moving when I'm paddling. So I'm, you know, I'm sweating. I'm, my heart rate's up. And you're not as wet. And you're not as wet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Except when I'm doing prone paddling, you know, the water washes over the board. So okay. you, you get kind of wet when you're doing prone. But yeah, no, you're not like, you're not in the water as much yet. And you're not wiping out and, mm-hmm. and getting wet and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so I moved to Mammoth because surfing was, was, I couldn't surf by myself, but I could ski by myself at the time. I can't anymore. Um, but I could ski by myself at the time. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to move to the snow. And I'm going to like really push my skiing career. And I lived in Mammoth for seven winters, not for seven years straight. Like I think three off seasons in that seven years, I came back to San Diego for like a summer, you know, like three, three summers in, in between there, but pretty much was in, in Mammoth for seven years and skied a hundred plus days every year. And, and so, you know, my accident dictated that you know mm-hmm. i'd like i like i said i i, I wish i could say that my accident did not dictate you know the course of of my activities but it did like i moved i chose to pursue skiing because surfing now had a ton of logistics um and then in my time there you know what what do people do in the mountains in the summer they ride. They ride because you, <laughs> you, yeah. you come for the winter and you stay for the summer. You go for the winter. You move there for the winter. You stay for the summer. Um, and I just wanted to be out on the trail. I, start, I, I found out later in life that I love trails. And I love being out on the trail. And I love exploring new trail and adventuring and getting in the backcountry with this trail or even just even fire roads. It's just really cool seeing new things and, and being exposed in nature. And so that kind of led me, started leading me down the, the adaptive bike route was wanting to get out in the backcountry. Yeah. And Mammoth has that. And there Mammoth was doing lift access via gondola in the early nineties. 
weren't they the first? They they could have been the first. I mean, I that, think they were. I think the Kamikaze. Yep. Was the first bike park mountain trail ever. Yeah, and the actual I legit mistaken, Kamikaze think, trail is just a fire road. It's just a death defying fire road. Yes. Oh my god. Um, I got clocked at fifty six. Going down I believe that, it. Dude. I've been on, I've been on it, not doing fifty six, but I've been on it, and I mean. I remember Woo! scary. And we're going back into the early nineties, but I remember like you could turn on anybody remember ESPN two? It might <laughs> ESPN two might be a thing, but anyhow, still. It is a thing still. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. never they never did the Ocho though. <laughs> 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 um, but I remember turning on like late night at my house one time, turning on ESPN two and seeing the kamikaze Reebok eliminator downhill. <laughs> you know, two athletes. You know, in skin suits and hardtails or kind of not hardtails, but mountain bikes, as everybody knows, that's been in mountain biking for as long as yeah. we've been around. They had just had like bushings for yeah, rear they suspension. Had like bushing, yeah, they had bushings for suspension, but they had like 60-some tooth chain rings. So they had these huge chain rings yep. and like literally like aerodynamic speed suits like you'd see in the in the 80s and 90s speed skiing yep. with like fairings. And there'd be, they'd be getting chased down the course on film by helicopters, you know, so they could film the whole thing. So scary. Dude. <laughs> it's just, I have a cool relationship with the Kamikaze because when I first started mountain biking, first got my first adaptive bike. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm living in Mammoth. And I asked people, what can I ride? And like, you can ride Kamikaze. So that's all I rode. And I got to know it really well. <laughs> oh my God. The last time. Okay. So the last time they had the Kamikaze event, which it's officially retired now. Um, but the last time they did it, they, it was a mass start, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. Um, but they sent the adaptive guys down um, separately from everybody else. And uh, I was out in front and I got a flat tire immediately. I flatted immediately. Um, and I, I was probably halfway down when the guy, no, no, no. I was at the hay bale turn when the guy behind me finally passed me. The hay bale turn is the last big right turn at the bottom. So I was probably nine, nine tenths or like four fifths of the way done you know, like almost to the finish. And I did it with a fucking flat. And there were a couple times in that run. I was, Oh, this is, it. I'm going off the side. I was, I was completely drifting. My bike was almost all the way sideways. I had no control of my rear end. And so was it, it was a rear flat or front? It was a rear flat. Okay. It was a rear flat. Front flat would have been front flat. I, I would just, I would not have been able to do it. Um, with the rear flat, I was just like drifting sideways. And you know, for those of you that don't know mammoth, it's like, it's all loose pumice and pumice is basically like kitty litter. It's like, yeah, sand. it's like big sand. It's like big sand. We call it, the, we call it the kitty litter. Yeah. So it's just loose. And oh my God, I, I was, I remember being completely sideways going right for the edge with, there's a, you know, total drop off. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going over the edge and like barely my bike just like front wheel just barely dug in and got just enough where I didn't go off the edge. <laughs> But I know that run very well. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, since we're let's stay at Mammoth. Okay. We're gonna I, get I, off, I, we're I gonna get off Mammoth. We're gonna get off of mountain biking though. We're gonna go back to a movie. Mm. Return to Bloody. Like this is an incredible story. 
And is it at what I didn't catch was, is it, is it out and live or is there just a trailer at this point? Oh no, it, it is out. It, it was really, okay. we, um, we released it and went on tour with it in 2014. Okay. So, so I didn't, I did not know that, Yeah, but the trailer itself was incredible to watch on yeah, Tuesday, those guys Tuesday are, night. Those guys are super talented. Now all that footage in the trailer is not movie footage that we shot all that stuff in like. 2010 and 2011. Oh wow! All like the teaser footage, and that's it's good footage. Which Dude, the, the guys camera are super equipment and that wasn't like yeah. a thing like it is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, now you could stick a GoPro everywhere, right? Exactly. Um, but no, those guys are the guys that shot it are Hollywood pros. Okay. Um, actually, um, Michael Jones, um, Mike, which I'll send this to you and make sure you listen. I'll tell you. I shouted shout out. He uh he shot the the new Top Gun movie that's coming out. Spoiler alert for everybody because I've been like just <laughs> we're totally detouring now. Okay, just because you said the new Top Gun movie, like for two freaking years I've been waiting for this thing to we come all out. Have. Like for those that like it's like okay it's gonna come out at, <laughs> in July sixth, which the day the year it was supposed to come out on July sixth. That, that's my birthday. I'm like I'm going to Top Gun. Wait, no, it's coming out May 27th. Yeah, now it is, but initially, yeah, the, like, it yeah, cut, yeah, like yeah. two years ago. Oh, when originally. Yeah, yeah when yeah. it was, re- and then it got pushed. So I think and we then need it to got go. pushed again. And you're COVID not, you're happened. not going to be here. You're, you're, you're going to be home. Yeah. But uh, I, I want to get, like, decked out 80s and, like, and go, go see it with my crew here. I think it'd be so fun. Yeah. It looks, like, so good, but so terribly bad, like it should be. Well, and- You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the trailer that I've watched probably a dozen or more times at this point, because every time you think about it, it's like, when is this thing going to come out? And I just saw it again the other day, because it, it's now coming out, officially. May 27th. And I remember seeing Tom Cruise, and it's like, he's the same Tom Cruise. Oh, he's a, it's awesome. <laughs> um, but did you see the newest trailer that was just released a few days ago? The trailer I watched was a couple days ago. Okay. Oh, GoPro. Forgive me, I'm going to change GoPro battery. Oh, for sure. It's, di- it's died. Do you need me to grab it? Oh, you got it. You got long limbs. I do have long arms. I got, um, <laughs> last time I was uh, measured for a tuxedo, the guy measured and remeasured my arms six times because he was like, that can't be correct. <laughs> so I guess I have long arms, but I, it's like, I think it's just a, an adaptation. Really? I think so. Like, it, you know, the I human body. I suppose you probably is, weren't moving your arm, like getting measured for tuxedos. No, not when I was a kid. I don't think I ever did get measured for a suit. But um, I think my arms have gotten longer. I have gotten, I know I've gotten taller. Really? Um, yeah, because think about it. My lower body's like not under gravity. Okay. So I, I've gotten taller. Um, the rest of us get shorter <laughs> and I think my arms have lengthened since I've been in a wheelchair. Um, oh, well, the camera's really warm. I wonder, I think I'll just like, when I post this to YouTube, I think I'll like let the picture run black with sound, just sound until it comes back on. I think that'd be kind of cool. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So Top Gun, Michael Jones. Okay. And then, um, my other buddy who shot it, he, um, I'm bragging about you guys. If you're listening to, if you end up listening to this, um, Alan Jacoby, 
he, uh, if you IMDb him, he's shot a lot of the X-Men movies. He shot Longmire, which um, is like a, a Montana. It's actually shot in New Mexico, but it's a Montana-based uh, like sheriff show on TNT. It, that had many, many seasons. See, GoPro. GoPro recording. Okay, we're good. Let's see if I can get it. Oh, I bumped the, bumped the microphone. We're both in there? Yeah, we're good. Okay, recording. Um, And he also shot um, SEAL Team on CBS. Oh, yeah. And he got... In the final season that he worked on the show, he he got director. Oh wow! He was always camera A, and then got director. So I like to brag about those guys and just and just say that they're really really talented, and I was super super lucky to work with them. Alan Jacoby actually has a YouTube channel, um, and I will link that in the caption. I can't remember the name, but he's a huge fat biker. Oh, so he has a lot of like fat bike information. He does a lot of a lot of gear reviews and stuff like that. So definitely check out his channel. I'm semi-familiar with fat biking coming from Wisconsin. It's really the <laughs> only biking are... I can do in the winter. Exactly. <laughs> That's the cool thing about fat biking is uh, you can bike year round. I'm actually developing um, a, a new, really simplified bike. Um, well, my, my reasoning is that I want to be able to like get on the beach, ride on yeah. the beach. I don't want to take my $15,000 bike on the beach. Yeah. It just gets, Salt. it just gets so ruined. Yeah. So ruined. Um, and so I just want like a simplified fat tire beach bike. I know, I know Lacey Heward's uh, AMB adaptive mountain bike has fat tires on it. Cause she, cause she lives in have, Wisconsin now and she, she does ride it in the winter. Tell her I said, hello. I haven't seen her for a I long will. time. Um, yeah. Last time I saw her was in Sun Valley and we were um, on a cat ski trip together and I was really, really struggling. We were on this backcountry trip. And my, I had brand new skis that I'd never used before that were way too stiff. I was getting uh, custom skis at the time from Moment Skis. Okay. Yep. And they would actually, they would act actually add um a, another top sheet for me and and just make them uber stiff because I I was always breaking skis like crazy and going going through skis like crazy. Um, but I stopped skiing as much. And so my skis weren't getting as noodled out anymore. Oh. And so, and these skis are really, really stiff and I could not ski them in the soft stuff. I was really fucking struggling. It was actually really bad. And she broke a ski and she ended up needing one. I let her use my backup ski and she was like, how the fuck do you do this? This is like a GS ski in powder. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could just imagine because especially the way, you know, the way skis have gone. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that so they're ultra changed. fat, but ultra stiff. And um, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, okay. Where were we? Okay. Shooting the teaser bloody. Yeah. So it was so cool to work with those guys and, and, and all, all that footage we shot way before we actually, um, went on the expedition, but bloody is a special mountain because it like, it holds snow year round and, like you go out there in, in the summer, you, you know, mammoth you t- usually gets like some of the most, there's a mountain that gets like the most snow in North America every year. It's always between like mammoth and Whistler and Kirkwood, you know, they get the most snow every year. 
mammoths right there. You know, it's one of those mountains. And, uh, you know, so there'll be snow on the mountains year round. And this one cool water just, you know, the sun just hits it minimally, you know, every day. And it's just, and you only, you only go out there in the summer because the road, it melts out. Um, otherwise you got to take a snowmobile out there and it's, it's way harder, but in the summer you can, you can take a, a truck or a four by four vehicle out there, off-road vehicle and get to the, get to the base for the approach. And so all my friends would go, go hike and ski this thing every summer. And, and then one time, actually I had just gotten my four wheel downhill bike and, uh, there's a road, um, called McGee road actually (laughs) (laughs) without the h probably (laughs) no h no h yeah uh mcgee mountain and there's a a row of this rad switchback road up to the top it's you can see it from the highway and you're like look at that crazy ass road um and so i I made my girlfriend at the time my plan was to make my girlfriend at the time like shuttle me to the top of this road and so i could downhill on my four-wheel bike because i had i couldn't it had no drivetrain so i need to be shuttled you know um, and my buddy was like, Oh, if you go out there, I'm going to go too. And we can camp in the meadow and I'm going to go ski this peak out of this meadow while you go do that. And I was like, Oh, rad, let's go, bro. <laughs> so we go, we set up camp in the meadow. My girlfriend takes me to the, you know, I've got, I had a forerunner at the time. She drives my forerunner to the top of the switchback as far as we go till it got too gnarly. And there was a turnaround. It's insane. It's insane, this road and the views from up there. And so she drops me off and, you know, and I bomb down it. And it's freaking gnarly. My bike's like barely holding together. It's all rocky and, you know, raw. And <clears throat> there's this all these herd of cows at the bottom that I just like blast into. <laughs> there's probably like <laughs> 40 cows. And I'm coming, I'm going like probably like 30, 40 miles per hour. And I like blast in the middle of them and they all scatter. And now I'm down low. So it's super scary. I'm like, wait a second. What the fuck did I just do? (laughs) (laughs) And I slam on the brakes and all the cows scatter. And I'm like, I don't know how I didn't get trampled. (laughs) (laughs) And they all, the cows all scatter and I'm left there. And I'm like, oh wait, I am in a huge, like, pile of manure <laughs> and i've got to reach back and like push my bike like a wheelchair yeah, there's no drivetrain no drivetrain so i gotta I have to push the back wheels like a wheelchair and it's awkward because you're pushing back behind you like this and i'm just getting my hands my gloves covered in manure <laughs> it's that's so crazy my girlfriend finally pulls up and then we go do uh this other road out of there which is the road to bloody we go to this other, and that's a crazy switchback road. And now it's like dark. And I remember bombing down that road. And um, there's a big old buck in the road. And I almost slammed into it. That, and, it was, and I didn't have any lights because I wasn't prepared. But anyways, <laughs> all that. And then we end up coming back to the meadow, meeting my buddy and his girlfriend at the campsite in the meadow. And they talk about how they went and climbed and skied this peak and it's called bloody. I'm like, tell me more. And that's, that's how it started. I just got obsessed with this freaking mountain. My friends would go and I, I want to go. I, I need to figure out how to get out there. 
Yeah, and you had to train. Yes, lots of training. Um, uh, you know, I'm 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 not a climber. Um, I'm obviously not built to be a climber. I'm like climbers are like com- most climbers are compact and small, you know, and strong. And I'm like lanky and lean, you know. And uh, so I'm I'm definitely not a climber. I'm an inex- I've zero experience climbing, and this involved a lot of climbing. <laughs> And a lot of, you know, a lot of pull-ups and things like that. So, yeah, lots of training, uh, but also ski training. Um, at the time, I was not, um, <laughs> I didn't skied anything that steep ever. That's the steepest thing I've ever skied. And I've never skied anything with, like, in a no-fall situation. Like, if you fall, there is a 300-foot cliff below you, you will die. You know, the, uh, I'd never skied anything like that where there's that high of consequences before. Yeah. And so you, you literally climbed up there with your arms mm-hmm. with help. And this is where we are going to go back to something I pulled from your keynote speech. Okay. <laughs> the other night. Oh crap. What did I say? You talked about the message you left up there. Oh yeah. 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 You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a big part of the story. It 100%. is. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, so there's, uh, I guess it's called a ledger. Um, forgive me if that's not the correct, the correct, the correct term, but it's basically just like the journal, like just rolled up and stuffed into a can that's stuffed into a rock. And I guess it's a thing in the mountaineering world in the climbing world where when you summit a peak, you find this, the ledger and you know, you'd say you were there, you sign it and say, you know, Josh was here on this date, da, da, da. But um, this time it was Jeremy. This time it was Jeremy. Yeah. Um, do you ever go by Joshua? Uh, in a previous life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a lot less, I'm a lot less formal now. It's a friends thing. Yeah. Were you ever a friends fan? Yes. Because Rachel dated a guy named Joshua and <laughs> would always correct people when they called him Josh. Remember? Do you remember this episode? Yeah, we don't have to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this painful? <laughs> no, it's just funny because my ex-wife is named Rachel. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're still good friends. Those that actually know me know the situation. Uh, like, It's just funny. <laughs> but when Joshua breaks up with Rachel, <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines in all the friends. And it's not even one of the regular characters that has one of my favorite lines. She's, you know... She was like, let's, you know, have a relationship or something. I can't remember exactly what she says. And he goes, how about no, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And the way the actor delivers a line, I just, I don't know, it cracks me up laughing every time. That's my vision. So that's what I think of when I think of Joshua. Yeah. Some people call me (laughs) Joshua because my signature, you know, I sign Joshua or if I'm like, like I'm here at an Airbnb. This week in Bentonville, and my Airbnb account is Joshua M. Blum. Like, you know, I throw my middle initial oh, in there. Okay. Joshua M. And what's your last name? Blum. Blum. Yep. JMB. JMB is correct. JMB. And he, when I, when I met him, he called me Joshua. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, just call me Josh. That's so, okay. So, so you prefer Josh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found the ledger in, in well, they brought it to me and everybody was telling me you're supposed to save space in these things because they need to last for a really long time, you know? 
I mean, we're talking decades. People don't come are... replace them monthly, you know. Just no, it's not like, no. it's not like when you sign the sign the book. It's not here. like you can archive your yeah. message history. Um, you know, and and but and so yeah, you're supposed to save space, and everyone was telling me to to write my feelings and to like use take up space for it because this was important. This was history, and I I was like, no, nah, man, this is this is simple. This is, this is not a complicated thing. And I, I put the date, signed my name, Jeremy P McGee. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote the phrase, do what you love period. And because I felt like that was the theme for this whole thing and all the work that had gone to it. And all the, all the effort, you know, all the time, all the training, all the, I mean, we, we had some pretty hard times during training, like figuring it out. That part of the story is insane. Like what it took and all of that, that we went through disagreeing, arguing, you know, the, the expedition was actually canceled at one point because some weather came in the day we were supposed to go. And there, there ended up actually being a slough slide, which if we were out there, it, it probably would have been pretty bad. Yeah. We might not be sitting in your adventure van right now. No. Well, I probably wouldn't have died, but it would have, I would have been injured. Yeah. I probably would have been pretty injured. Yeah. That stuff is legit. Yeah. I mean, like. Like I imagine if I, cause I, what the way we did it, I was, I laid prone in like a plastic sled and was roped in. And if like 400 pounds of snow hit me in the chest, I probably would have like scorpioned back or something, you know, I probably wouldn't have killed me, but it would have, it would have been not Yeah, that not stuff good. is, yeah. I mean, he, there's a, man, I, don't, I, I wish I could remember the name of the climbing movie that's out. Mm. With Alex Honnold? No, not with oh, Alex. Free solo, no? It's not free solo. Oh, Cliffhanger? It's, no, <laughs> did that have uh, Sylvester Stallone in it? Yes. Yeah. I actually put a clip of that movie in one of my last videos. <laughs> he is one of my favorite actors, by the way. How could you not love Sylvester Stallone? I know. Dude? He is so ra- he's he is radical in the pure sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. In the in the in the very nineties, eighties sense of it. Yeah, no, it was a different climber, uh, I think from the Washington area. I re- I watched it. Over the winter with my girlfriend, we watched it, I think back in January. And uh, and he ended up, he did end up passing in the movie. And it wasn't due to a climbing failure. It was due to an avalanche. Oh, yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. I, I've, I know a few people that have The died stuff he was doing, actually, I thought made Alex Honnold's stuff look not that bad. And Alex Honnold's stuff is like... Free soul. Freaking, like you watch that movie and you're just, you're like sweating. <sighs> You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's my world. That's, that's Yosemite. That's the Eastern Sierras, man. That's Mammoth. That's the Ansel Adams wilderness, man. And, uh, I don't know Alex, but a lot of my friends do. And the guys that took me up bloody know him. They're all, they're all pro climbers. Um, but yeah, do what you love. Like that spoke to me huge when you said that on stage the other night. Like that's just, especially the, like kind of the, the, the living that I'm doing now with a different life that I have, not, you know, being, finding out a kind of a new lease on life, being divorced and like figuring out my way and what it's, how it's supposed to be. It's like, I'm in my mid forties and I, I live by the motto of 
of something that I have on my phone, which is clocks ticking, start living. Yep. Yep. You know, it's exactly it. And so you can only, you were, I mean, it, we don't, we're here for how long? We don't know, but it ain't long, you know, so you need to enjoy it. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's a tough conundrum because you do want to do the prudent things mm-hmm. to plan for a future. Mm-hmm. Because if you do end up, you know, having living to a ripe old age, you, you want to not be struggling or knowing where your next meal Financially is coming from. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to work hard. You want to build retirement, you know, buying a house for me was a big part of that, you know, making sure that I'm going to be okay. Um, but, but yeah, but I, for me, like doing what you love doesn't mean live with reckless abandon and party your ass off. Like it's 1999. It doesn't mean that, you know, it means figuring out what you want out of your life, no matter what that is, you know, what everybody wants is different. That might not mean, you know, travel the world and swim with the dolphins or whatever, you know, might not mean that kind of stuff. It might mean something completely different for somebody else. You know, you know, when you have family that I, I can understand, I don't have family, but I can understand that that would definitely be very different if I did, you know, or he, (laughs) Everybody is different, but whatever that is, define it and define it clearly and concisely. And then for me, and like I said the other night during the talk is if that is something that is easily achieved, like if you can just like my friends can just like boot pack bloody in a given afternoon, not even a day, like they can decide like at noon after they eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like, Hey, let's go hike bloody, (laughs) you know? And it's noon already, you know, and they can go hike it and come back, you know, it probably by dark or after maybe back after it's dark. But the point is, is they can just, you know, it was a lot harder for me to go. They can decide to do it that day. Yeah. For me, it's a lot different. I mean, the logistics and what took to get out there and, um, all that to say, like, if what we decide we want in our lives is easily achieved, if it doesn't take like a ton of work or effort or hardship, then, uh, my, my advice from my experience in life and what has increased my quality of life is maybe rethink that. Um, because what I have found, and this is a very painful thing to say, like, this is a very difficult, this is very difficult coming to this realization that like when something involves a level of enduring hardship and like the greater the the sense of accomplishment on the other side of it and i'm thinking that's what maybe you spoke to you in the talk and like the greater the level and that's something that is not new information for any of us you know and it's something that's very obvious um but for some reason we spend so much time an effort trying to make our lives as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. You know, I do. I didn't want to ride today. It was fucking snowing today. 
I know. We're, we're it's just just we're gonna timestamp this thing. It's it's March thirty first. We're in Bentonville, and it snowed. Today. Most people come at least you know the the world that I live in, coming from the upper Midwest and Wisconsin. Like this is everybody's that's into mountain biking. This is their spring break trip, and it's so they can get out of what we just saw today, which is white and falls out of the sky. It was dumping. It didn't stick, but yeah. it was coming down hard. Yeah, I was. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go out in that. Yeah, this morning at the conference, when when Aaron said, "Oh, we're gonna move uh, Jeremy's ride from ten o'clock this morning or nine thirty this morning, when I was supposed to be to three o'clock this afternoon," it's like okay, and I was like, "Cool," because at the time, the actual the sun yep. was actually out then. It at was the, at, at that it point. Was. The it sun was, nice. was out. You know, I was like, "Cool." You know, like I wanted to do that ride, but I also wanted to do some conference things, and like now I can go do the ride and do yep. some conference things. And like two hours later, it was snowing. Yep, I looked outside and I was like, "Oh." And then I texted Uriah and he's like, you need to cancel the ride. It's like trails are mush. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I told Aaron, I'm like, if we're going to be good trail stewards, we need to not go. <laughs> or just go do laps and leopards loop. We could do that or we could go to rail yard or something. I guess we could have done that. You're could've right. Gone to rails yard. Yeah, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. You know, I- actually back up. This is going to be the first time we, we didn't meet formally. But the first time I ever saw you was at Rail Yard in 2016. Was that no, not in 2016? It was at Rail Yard in November of 2020. Oh yeah, yeah. When you were there with Rich Drew, I already knew who Rich was. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were doing a little film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was cool to see, to see that. That last jump on the intermediate line is like perfect for the bike. Some of the jumps are pretty. The bike is long. The bike is long. Yeah, and so it's with that bike. It's either or. If you get a a short poppy jump like that jump is where because because it's so front heavy and that jump puts me straight in the air and then it just the front end just drops so it's like a short poppy jump oh or a long very not poppy jump where it just takes tons of speed and it's all trajectory it's like either or anything in the middle is really tough yeah does that make sense yeah (laughs) yeah So that's fun. Okay, so uh, I was at the rail yard that day because it was like kind of like no, it was raining. It was shitty weather. It was wet, yeah. The day before, my buddy and I went and spent the day over up a little sugar, and like we kind of come down. I mean, it was the end of November, so you kind of got to expect something, right? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> we still were avoiding the upper Midwest snow and cold. <laughs> yep, that trip is what um, landed me here, yeah. and why I'm here. Yeah, because I got connected with. Uh, Gary Vernon and Hogan Kosas. Yeah, Gary was at the rail yard that day. Yep. So they were there and um, I made a few videos and they decided they want to really work on their adaptive bike infrastructure. Yeah. Should we transition into that? We can do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, we're getting pre- we were getting pretty deep there. Yeah. Um, we- well, yeah, let me finish that thought. Yeah, you do need to. <laughs> and so like deciding with life being short and the way the way I worded it in the talk, I, I kind of paraphrased um, a commencement speech that Bill Gates gave like a long time ago. Um, the way I say, say, I want to give him credit because I, I got got it from him you know the way i say it though like i'm 45 years old it's gone by in a flash the next 45 probably gonna be a flash too 
you know, if not faster. And there's going to, before I know it, there's going to be a 90 year old man looking back in the mirror at me. And like, if I haven't, I've got a pretty ambitious bucket list. There's a lot I want to do. There's all these rad little corners of the world to explore, you know? Um, if I haven't done those things, I'm probably going to be pretty disappointed with myself or bum that I didn't like take advantage of my opportunities or do what I want with my life, you know? Um, and whether I make it to 90 or not, you know, like I'm, I'm about to go on a big road trip, something happens on the road trip or, you know, if I find out I have cancer in 15 years or so, you know, um, which all those things are very highly likely, you know, <laughs> um, whether I live to 90 or not, like it's all, it's all short, you know? So figuring out and deciding and defining what those things are that we want to complete in our lives, you know, that we want to experience is really important. And then hopefully they are hard to achieve, you know, because if they're not, then what the fuck does your life mean anyways, you know? Um, and then if they're hard to achieve, okay, that means this is where I get into like, it does, this doesn't mean like party your ass off and enjoy, enjoy life in that way, which whatever, if that's what you want to do, that's all, you know, I want to support that. You know what I mean? But like for me in my life, it means coming up with a plan, figuring out this, the things I need to do every day to, to get, to get to there. And that's what I mean about like living life now and do what you love. Do the little things every day to, to do the, to check your bucket list off. That's it. That's what I mean when I say that. Yeah. And embrace that journey. That's right. Because what we find out is it doesn't matter whether we get to the top of bloody or not. It's like all those people, those relationships that I built with that crew, um, <laughs> we, we, we camped overnight at 10,000 feet and shot off fireworks. We're drinking whiskey and shot off fireworks. Like that was what it was all about. That's the those journey. experiences, you know? Yeah. Waking up in the fucking hospital in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't on the trailer, by the way. So I haven't seen that part yet. <laughs> but like, you know, at the time it sucked. But like, it's a, it's all about the story. You know, it's a just a great part of the story. I feel like it, the story wouldn't be as good if I didn't end up in the hospital. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> 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 no, but the the yeah, it's you know and. I think a lot of, you hear this a lot with like Olympic athletes and that, like, it's like, once you accomplish this thing that you do, it's like, okay, now what? And really you got to look back at like, you really got to embrace the journey, whatever that journey is of getting there. Because, you know, when you accomplish that, it's, and and I fully am a firm believer that you need, once you check that bucket list thing off, it's start the next journey right away. Yep. You know? Yep. So, 
That's <laughs> it's it's an incredible thing. It really motivating is. me because you know I I I struggle. You know I, I struggle with motivation. I'm not a naturally motivated guy. Yeah, I'm definitely not. I I'm I'm tired. I'm physically and emotionally tired. You know. Yeah. Um, life is a fight for someone who's a paraplegic or someone who's paralyzed. Um, and I, I say that knowing how lucky I am, you know, I have quadriplegic friends, um, and their life is much more of a fight than mine is. I, so, but still, it's still, still whatever being a paraplegic is still hard, you know? And then, uh, I always got my constant negative chatter and anxiety swirling around in my mind. And that is exhausting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not, I have to fight through all that stuff still. And I, I wake up tired, you know, and I, I, I survive on copious amounts of caffeine <laughs> to yeah. get me through my days. And I think almost everybody has that negative self-talk and to recognize that and to have that awareness about it is such a huge thing to know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a thing um, before, like, and in the last, I mean, I've grown so much just in the last two to three years and, and having those, that awareness about that type of stuff. Like that's actually one thing that my girlfriend has taught me more than anyone. It died. These are the new batteries. They're the Enduro batteries. <laughs> I mean, maybe time's just flying, but we're an hour and 30 minutes in. Okay. It seemed like so the, that first, one, the first one went probably an hour if I had to guess. And the second one was shorter. It was wow. half that. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, if you do the math. <laughs> oh, wait, I got to. Yeah, with the uh, media the mod to change the battery, you got to do, which I don't really need the media mod actually, because we're going to be using your sound. So I use the media mod for light and for the uh, micro for the shotgun mic. Yeah. But we will have that as backup sound if there is an right. issue with yours at all. So maybe I'll continue to use the media mod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really, maybe because it's warm. I th- the camera's really warm. Maybe it's tired. Which is weird because it's not warm. I mean, I'm not warm. The, I mean, not the I've camera. I've got my brand new Patagonia. Patagonia jacket. I just got this thing. Oh my God. This jacket has been like a. No, I mean, just, I mean, just the temperature in here. You know, it's not like it's sunny in 75 in Bentonville today. Right. I, I'm definitely. It was, on, it was on Tuesday though. I'm definitely comfortable though. Are you uncomfortable? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, this jacket has been like a thing over the past few years. Um, like I've been wanting a dark blue. I love dark blue. I don't know if you can tell that from my house. The dark blue cabinet. Whoa, that battery's boiling hot. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Because, I mean, it truly isn't in a temperature environment. Yeah, these cameras are doing so much, dude. You this know. thing is doing a lot. The, this is, little thing is so cool and complicated. Yeah, I remember when, like, original helmet cams were, like, a <laughs> wired thing to a camcorder. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> like, that's my neighbor. Um, but like, yeah, if, if you watch some of my first videos, like the footage is so shaky and terrible. And these, I mean, cameras have just come so, such a long way. The fact that I'm shooting, you can shoot 4K 120 with like crazy stabilization, like crazy slow-mo 4K with like ultra stabilization. That's insane that they can do that. Yeah, and you got to wonder what's going to be available in even three years from now. Right. Or that the government has already. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be available from GoPro. 
Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Stay tuned as part two of the Jeremy P. McGee interview will be released in the next couple days. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share the Trail Effect podcast with others. Sharing this podcast will help create awareness to both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, please check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. This podcast has been made possible by Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.